We'd like to welcome you to Sunday service here in the Temple of Light at Ananda Village. I am Nayaswami Pranaba, and this is Nayaswami Parvati. This reading is taken from Rays of the One Light with commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita written by Swami Kriyananda. Today's topic is, In Surrender Lies Victory. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. A case might be made for surrender as a path to victory in worldly conflicts, the way of passive resistance, for example, in preference to armed resistance. But our point here concerns a higher kind of surrender, the surrender of our deluded egoic will to the wise and might, almighty will of God. Human will is, as Paramahansa Yogananda used to say, guided by whims and limited understanding. The divine will is in harmony with every level of reality. Though the divine will sometimes appears to us at first to be wrong, it proves always, eventually, to be for our highest good. Human will is inconsistent. It leads us one day to success, another to disaster. The divine will, when we, we surrender to it completely, although it is not always easy to do so, always brings us deeper inner peace and joy in the end. Jesus Christ demonstrated this perfect surrender to God's will in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was captured and imprisoned, preparatory for his crucifixion. He went apart from the others to pray and asked them to pray also. But when he returned to them, he found them asleep. Out of his love for them, he excused them, saying, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He then urged them again, saying, Watch and pray. Their weakness in those circumstances was particularly sad, and the disciples themselves must have regretted it bitterly later on. We all know the symptoms of human weakness, though we may excuse them in ourselves, saying, well, after all, I'm only human. But what are the signs of true strength? We find in all cases that these are the fruit of a life wholly surrendered to God. The Bhagavad Gita lists these signs in the 13th chapter. Humbleness, truthfulness, harmlessness, patience and honor, reverence for the wise, purity, constancy, control of the self, contempt for self-delights, self-sacrifice, Perception of the certainty of ill in birth, old age, and frail mortality. Disease, the ego suffering, and sin. Detachment, lightly holding thoughts of home, children, and wife. Those ties which bind most men. An ever tranquil heart, heedless of good or adverse fortune, with the will upraised to worship me alone unceasingly, 
loving deep solitude and shunning noise of foolish crowds. Calm focus on the self perceived within and in infinity. These qualities reveal true wisdom, Prince. All that is otherwise is ignorance. Thus through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. I also would like to welcome you all. And I'll read from Whispers from Eternity. This is a little unusual whisper. Prayer between sleeping and waking. O Father, when I hover on the borderland between sleep and wakefulness, between sleep and wakefulness, thou dost come and play with me, thy little child. I float on the ocean of thy love. I dance with the boisterous billows of emotion. I play at hide-and-seek with thee, as thou dost with me. Thy greatness lifts me, this least of all thy servitors, to sit with thee on thy throne. This topic of surrender leads to victory. I, I often wondered why Swami, Swami Kriyananda, left that word surrender there because I knew that he thought it was not a very strong word, but he qualifies it. And uh, that's very important for all of us to understand that that word surrender in that context is, is representative of the greatest battle that we face spiritually. And that is the battle of surrendering the ego into God's infinite light. And that battle is ongoing. It's called the spiritual path. And it's something that for each of us, we need to come to it and engage in it in a way that will be fruitful for us and will lead to true victory. Not that just is exhausting and dry and, uh, oh, we're, you know, every day is a battle. No, every day is a great opportunity to win our way toward true freedom. And that true freedom, I, I was uh, remembering that Swami Kriyananda in The New Path uh, wrote this little thing about Yogananda. And uh, uh, it's from the chapter on 29 Palms. And he says about Yogananda, he said, one of the most amazing things about Master was his complete inner freedom. In the deepest matters, he maintained the simplicity and light-hearted innocence of a child. In severe trials, he could find cause for joy. Yet even when he laughed, as he, he retained the calm, detached outlook of one who beheld God alone everywhere. Often in the various trifles, he saw some deep truth 
illustrated. And so I wanted to read that because that's, that's really the goal that we're headed toward when we talk about uh, victory and inner freedom and that kind of thing. And I wanted to share with you a couple of uh, stories, not quite stories, but just instances that people recently shared with me. And since they didn't give me permission to share them, they won't be recognizable by them. Um, but the first one is uh, a situation that many people in this country and around the world have faced, and that is losing your job. And in a way that was very unpleasant. So this woman was working for someone. Uh, she had a business and, and the person, it was a client uh, relationship. And uh, uh, she found out, he didn't tell her directly, but she found out that he was about to cancel their contract and let her go. And, uh, and not only that, in addition, he was hiring someone who was less qualified younger, and uh, he could pay less money to. And so she said, and the way that this woman wrote it, it was very fun. She said, the first word that came to mind was retaliation. And she said, I knew I couldn't do that. <laughs> I knew I couldn't go there. And so she did a very creative and dynamic solution with this situation. She said, the situation is a reality. And, uh, and so what can I do about it that will make it more positive? And so instead of retaliation, she decided to befriend this woman that she was training anyway, was going to happen anyway. And so um, her family and friends thought she was crazy in doing this, but she befriended this uh, girl and, uh, and along the way, they got to know each other. And then um, at a certain point, uh, she discovered that this person was interested in meditation. And so, and this, this person is a disciple, is on this path. And so she introduced her to the Ananda meditation course. And the woman, younger woman, ended up taking the course and they had that in common then. And then, so that was a nice thing. And you think, oh, isn't that nice? But there's one further step that happened, which I just laughed when I read it. And that is that she turned around and eventually started her own company, the woman who lost her job, and hired this younger woman to work for her. <laughs> and I just thought, what an what a amazing creative, dynamic solution to a pretty yucky situation. And uh, anyway, it's a good one to remember. To me, I thought, now there is a superconscious solution. And let us remember that. Even in the worst of situations, if we try to look for the, the positive, for the benefit, for the solution, that will actually work, be good for us, and good for maybe another person or the whole situation, we can find these things unfolding because we've invited in a higher consciousness. We've invited in that superconscious that makes it possible for 
things to happen, totally unexpected. She didn't know this, this young girl from, from anywhere. She had no idea she would be interested in meditation. But isn't that lovely? Isn't that really creative and dynamic and a positive solution going toward that inner freedom? In the second instance, another person, also a disciple, was facing a situation where um, she just thought, this is something, I'm, I'm having to work with a friend, and we need to do this project, and it's a big one. It's, it's clearing out a storage unit that's got 10 years of things in it, and, uh, and it has to happen, and I want it to happen in the right way. And so as the, the time went on and the time became closer to this project actually happening, this woman found herself getting more and more anxious, more and more resentful about how the other person was approaching it, and, and finally angry about it. And she just said, okay, stop. This needs a different viewpoint. This needs a different solution. And she said the phrase that came to her very strongly was, let God be in charge of the project. And she said she backed off and then let that happen. And she said, you know, the whole day, the whole project, the outcome of it was marvelous. It all went very, very well. And actually, of the two situations, the first one very dynamic and maybe something we can pull off, but the second one really actually so simply spoke to me in a way of let God be in charge. And that leads naturally, these are teachings that we, most of us know and are familiar with and use, but isn't it interesting that you just come to that place where you just need to stop, back off a little bit, and use that phrase, let God be in charge of this project. And that kind of shifts things because it makes it possible for us to act in a more free, uh, open way without worrying about the results of it. God will take care of it. We have to engage. It's not backing off and not doing anything. Not, I didn't mean that at all but more that we have a different attitude about it. And again, I thought, superconscious solution. You know, just that comes in. But we need to listen, we need to hear, and we need to act on what we hear. And so when we do that, then things can begin to flow in a much, much better way. And I thought, um, you know, there's a number of different elements to this topic, but I thought one thing in this time that we're in, which, you know, just thinking about how things may unfold, we're in the beginning of October, and uh, how people are talking about the, the health part of it, the virus, is that we may be in for a long, difficult winter. And so I thought, you know what? Now is the time to prepare for that. 
<laughs> Let's not just let that unfold and, and be overwhelmed by it and, and all of that, but really look, at, look ahead and look at being creative as these two situations that I described were, being creative in how we can approach things in a superconscious way, in a way of inner freedom, in a way of working with that divine, in a way that leads to victory. One is that <clears throat> I think we need to all, in our own unique ways, work on developing willpower. And again, these are, these are things that we all, for the most part, know. But it's good to bring them up and to remember them dynamically. Because in this coming time, these tools to develop willpower may come in very useful. The first one, say yes to life. Don't block things, don't be negative, just say yes to life. Look at any situation that comes and figure out in your own unique way, your own creative unique way, how you can say yes and not to block energy. Always, second point, always look for the solutions. This again is the superconscious that is looking for ways to make this possible. You know, we know maybe in a situation that it's like, oh, this is without hope. I always remember in Tolkien's trilogy, there is the point in the trilogy, not too long into it, where they're traveling and they go into these underground mines and they lose their leader, the, the Gandalf, the uh, a person that's going to really make it all happen for them on this pilgrimage that they have. And they lose him. It, looks, it appears that he's died. And they come out the other side and, and one of them says, well, now there's no hope. And then another person who becomes their second leader says, well, then we must go on without hope. So that actually is a solution. We're going to go on anyway. We'll just go on without hope. That's okay. So that kind of thing. Also, looking for the goodness in people. You know, someone said about Swami Kriyananda that he saw the potential in all of us and made it possible for us to believe in ourselves. And that's really kind of how it, how it happens. It works on us in that, in seeing the goodness in people, then we've, we have that consciousness and that goodness flowing through us out to them, but it also lifts them up because then they feel, oh, well, he believes in me or she believes in me and maybe I can do whatever needs to happen. And so seeing the goodness in people and also to any challenge that we face, number four, saying, I can. Just say it, I can, of course. You know, when I was first at Ananda, I lived at the village for nine years and was able to uh, spend a fair amount of time with Swami Kriyananda. He was very available, he was out in the community, and uh, there were lots of opportunities to see 
uh, how he operated, how he worked to feel his consciousness. And then um, after that time ended, then I was asked by him to go out and to do various things. The first one, I, he asked me to go to San Francisco and to manage our center there with Ram and Diana. And uh, it was a big challenge. It was, you know, but I thought, hey, he thinks I can do it. I think I can do it. I've watched him do lots of things that didn't seem possible. And of course I can do this. It'll just be what it is. And, uh, and so that was one adventure. And, and that was fine. It, it went, went for about a year and a half or so. And, and, uh, and then I came back to the village. And then a need arose and it concerned our center down the peninsula, which was at that time very small, <clears throat> but a very important uh, little center that we had there. And we had bought East-West Bookstore, that kind of thing, so it was ga gaining momentum. But uh, the leader there decided to leave, and the way that he left was uh, uh, leaving, not that he took anything, but he just left things uh, completely empty. And, uh, and so Swami Kriyananda was looking at this situation and talking with a group of us in the temple at that time at the expanding light. And I remember he looked at me and he said, Parvati, I think you need to go there if you can. And I said, sure, Swami, I'm happy to do that. He said, I know this isn't your place to be, <laughs> but there's nobody else to send. And so I'd like you to go. And I said, you know, Swami, that's just fine. Don't worry about it. And so I remember going there. And uh, it was pretty dismal. There was no money and bills to be paid and things like that. But I remember having this feeling of just diving into a pool and just needing to start swimming. If you, if you go into water, you just need to start swimming. And so for me, that was my solution. That was my saying yes. That was my cooperating with grace and, you know, just moving forward. And so I just said, I'll just do the best I can. You know, I know it's not my place to be eventually, but uh, right now this is what needs to happen and let me give it the best energy that I can. And so that also evolved and I was there for about a year and a half. But mainly I just wanted to say that because it's not always that the situations that we find ourselves in are ideal or suited to us, but it may just be something that needs to happen at that time. And so it's a way for us to test our will and to really engage, like as I uh, said, and these are things that Swami Kriyananda wrote in one of the longer readings on this particular topic that we're addressing today. Say yes to life, look always for solutions, look for goodness in people, and say I can to challenges. And then he said also, set yourself tasks to accomplish. And those tasks, in my case, were given to me, and I accepted them. I did all the other parts, you know, and accepted them. Set yourself tasks to accomplish, make them small at first, and then make them bigger and bigger so that you can test your will and not only test your will, but really develop and grow your will. Because without 
that will growing and each of us again it's not a it's not a it's a challenge in a way that i'm saying to all of us but each of us needs to do this in our own way but we need to know the elements that are important to going in the right direction and so test your will try take on things that you don't feel necessarily qualified for you feel like ooh that's a little big for me and and see that you can do it he said test your will and go with that whatever you've taken on until you finish it go with it until you finish it and then the last thing is that there is a way to really focus at the point between the eyebrows and to say there in in meditation or just at any time that you feel you need to develop your will and you'll say my will is one with thy will united to thine my will can move mountains my will is one with thy will united to thine my will can move mountains and that he said if you concentrate very deeply at the point between the eyebrows and continue that thought that that also will help in developing willpower and so when we develop willpower <clears throat> what is it for it's for attaining superconscious inner freedom and this image came to me and i'll close with this of a giant superliner white out on the ocean and i i named it the superconscious express to infinity and i thought this is a superliner that we're all on by choice we decide whether we want to be on that superliner or not master is the in charge swami's the pilot you know they're there with us but it's always our choice whether to continue on on that voyage with the superliner where is it going to infinity to inner freedom in god but the tests will come the waves will come people may get nervous and decide to that this boat isn't going to be uh safe anymore and decide to get off at one of the ports that it stops at and so there's all these various things that are possible because we have to use our will all along the way to keep choosing the superconscious and to keep choosing being on that superconscious ocean liner that again provides us with the environment the teachings the consciousness and the inner attunement with master with our guru that can take us all the way to god to that divine to our own inner freedom and so but it's always a matter of choice and that's why it's important and why i read these simple little elements about developing the will because it's always important that we keep those in mind maya is always as swami said the wolf is always at the door <laughs> it's always there uh pulling on us tempting us and when we say 
this is what I want, maya can, our karma can present us with even bigger challenges. We may think, but I've been on the path for decades and I'm facing this? Fear, anger, jealousy, whatever it might be, you know, trepidation about things. So the will, our own will, united with God's will, is always very important. And these elements of the will, how to develop will, are what keep us moving in the right direction. I wanted to read, and I've, I've read this before, but you know, in the time that we're in, it is chaos and confusion. And uh, there will be challenges. One of the astrologers said, looking ahead, it, it looks like uh, troubled times for the next 40 years. Could be that. We don't know for sure. This is always assumptions, but it could be. And, and this is what, uh, what Master said. He said to his disciples at that time and through them to all of us, you all will have lots of troubles when I am gone. But when you think of me, I will be there and you will see that everything runs smooth. If you knew what you all are doing, this work nobody can stop. And it is just the greatest thing that has ever come to this earth. God is holding it in his hands and wouldn't let anything hurt you all that I am training. Just stay in tune, and when there is trouble, get more in tune. There has to be persecution, but I don't want you all to be afraid. 